free download from that lads who live on church. We meet every Thursday morning, 10.30 a.m. in the lads who live on church building. Look for Vines in the Channel Alliance of Guernsey. Contact us or find out more information about us. Please visit our website at Hello. Congratulations on your exam results. Grandma, I failed. You failed? What do you mean you failed? I mean I failed. Maths, English, physics, geography, German, woodwork, art. I failed. You didn't pass anything? Pottery. Pottery? Very useful. Anthony, people will always need plates. Anything else? And sociology. An ology? It gets an ology and it says it's failed. You get an ology, you're a scientist. Yes, we have a 14 in the blue. And in the white? And in the white, and in the green, and in the pink. Green? Oh, now, do you have a 12 in the green? Uh, yes, we have a 12 in the green. And in, and in the pink. Hello, Rose. It's me, BT. It's BT. Melvin, it's your mother. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you very much. I don't know if you remember those adverts. Yeah, the BT adverts. What was the slogan? Do you remember? Yeah, that's it. It's good to talk. It's good to talk. Um, it made me chuckle when I saw that this week. But it is good to talk, isn't it? Yeah? We know that full well, that actually it is good to talk and it doesn't matter what sphere of life we're in, whatever relationship we're in, communication is important. Yeah, you can't substitute talking, um, whether it's a friendship, whether it's with a partner, whatever it is with your parents, your siblings, there needs to be some communication. Talking needs to happen between the different parties if the relationship is going to stay strong. It's good to talk. And the um, early church in Acts knew that it was good to talk. They knew it was good to communicate. And we've been looking at the last three weeks at Acts chapter 2. Um, so we're going to take another little look at that this morning. Maybe. I don't know. Is this going to work? I'm not sure. Okay, anyway, if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 2 and look again at the fellowship of believers and what they devoted themselves to. Okay, it says here in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, so we've been looking at the early church and their devotion. And we've looked at how they devoted themselves to the word of God, to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship of believers. Last week we looked at the devotion to the breaking of the bread and what that meant. And today I want us to look at the devotion to prayer. Now prayer is a massive topic, okay? And within half an hour I cannot cover everything there is to know and discuss about prayer. Um, But I'm going to try and touch on something about prayer today. But, you know, in, in the future, in the foreseeable months and years ahead, I do think that... Oh, no, it's me, isn't it? Because, you know, every time... <laughs> oh, bless him. I do think that prayer is just so, so important um, to the life of a church and to the fellowship of believers. And so I do want us to dive into prayer in, in a deeper um, way as a, as a church congregation. And I know there are people sat here who really are prayers, people who are intercessors, people who, you know, spend time in the presence of God and really um, seek God's face. And I want those people to teach us as a church how to do it and lead us and take us and guide us on a new journey into prayer. But like I said, I don't have time to do that today, but I do have half an hour or so. So let's have a little look at this and see how the early church can just inspire us and spur us on and encourage us with prayer. We know that prayer is important, yes? We don't have to go far into the scriptures to realise that communication with God is vital to our relationship with God. Okay? Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Jesus himself went into solitude and and prayed to his Father in heaven. And I think to myself, if Jesus has to do something, then it probably means that I should. Because if Jesus had to, then I really need to. Um, Paul, you know, St. Paul talks about praying without ceasing, praying without stopping. In the book of James, it talks about prayer being powerful and effective. Okay, so we know that that talking with God, that being with God, being in God's presence, is important for us if we're going to become everything that we can become. Now, straight away, I may have lost some of you when I just mentioned the word prayer. Okay? Some of your eyes might have started falling or dropping, I don't know, when I mentioned the word prayer. Okay? And you might never admit this because admitting it would be like, you know, saying you don't love God almost, because if you don't love praying and you don't like being in God's presence, then, you know, you wouldn't say it. So we don't really like to mention it all that often. But, you know, we need to be honest sometimes. Because if we're not going to be honest, well, we might as well, we might as well pack up and go home. But we need to be honest that sometimes maybe we do find prayer a little bit of a struggle. And that prayer can be a little bit tricky sometimes. And being in the presence of God can be difficult. And we can sometimes feel uninspired to get into the prayer place. And I don't think I'm alone in this thought. If I am alone in this thought, I recognise I'm rapidly doing myself out of a job. But um, I've got confidence to think that I can say that because I don't think I am alone. I think that we probably, if we admitted it you know, to one another, that actually, yeah, sometimes you know, prayer can be difficult and we don't always find time for it perhaps in 
in our lives because of that reason. You know, I remember being at a Christian conference a long, long time ago when I was much younger. And one of the best attended seminars at that conference was entitled Things We Don't Need to Pray About. Now, if that's evidence for people having a struggle with prayer, you know, let's just get to that, let's get to that seminar and think, right, what can I get off the list that I don't need to pray about? That will save me a bit of time. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a good seminar. But, uh, you know, that was the most attended seminar because I think we can struggle sometimes with praying. Prayer meetings in churches often sometimes tend to be the least attended meetings. Okay, for whatever reason. And it may well be just because of the fact that it doesn't always excite people because it might be the way that the meeting's conducted, you know, in, in itself, and that could be why. But it is something for us to ponder upon about why perhaps that is the case. Let's look back over the last week of our lives, from last Sunday to this Sunday, and how much time have we spent praying? How much time have we spent in the presence of God on our own? Now, I'm not saying that as a guilt trip, and I'm asking myself the exact same question, just to get us thinking about prayer. Because if we want to do everything we can for God, and if we want to have that connection with God, and we want to see God move, then that will require us to be in his presence, and it will require us to communicate with him. If I were to ask you where your intimacy with God is at the moment, what would you say? How intimate is your relationship with God? You know, if I were able to go to God and see God face to face, like human to human, and I was able to say to him and ask him, you know, how your intimacy, your prayer life was with him, what would he say to me? And vice versa, if you went to God and asked about me, you know, what would God say about me? Where are we? with God at the moment in our life, in our intimacy with him. I was listening to a sermon um, the other day by a guy called Jeff Durbin, you may have heard of him, and he posed this question, if our marriage or, you know, our intimacy with our children or our parents or our friends looked like our intimacy with God, what would that that relationship look like? If my relationship with my friends was what my relationship, my intimacy with God was like. What would that be like? So I'm not sure my friends would be too chuffed if I rung them up every morning and said, can you really help me today? Protect me. Thanks, bye. (laughs) And sometimes that can be the extent, can't it, of our, you know, firing lines up to God. I think my relationship with my friends would die pretty quickly if that's the only time I kind of spent with them. Or just every now and again, just this and down. They'd be like, I want to spend time with you. It'd be pretty distant pretty soon. And I want us to think about that question today. Where is our intimacy with God? Where are we? And maybe for some of us, our intimacy with God perhaps could be quite distant. And that's nothing to do with God moving because we know God stays the same. We know God is faithful. We know that God wants to be with us. And maybe we have different reasons. Maybe you might say to me, it's because I'm too tired, I'm too busy. Maybe it's just it's not important to us. I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I wanted to suggest maybe there's another reason, perhaps why our intimacy with God isn't quite like we really want it to be, or how we ought think we ought it to be. And maybe it's because, actually, sometimes I think we just fail to realise 
the kind of God we serve. And we perhaps fail to live accordingly to what, according to what we believe. I think we believe a lot of stuff about God and we know a lot of stuff about God. But sometimes I wonder in my own life whether it really, really dwells within my heart and really lives within me. And I'm really, really living according to what I believe. Because you see, God really, really desires to be with you. Like, God really, really loves you. Like, thinks you're the most amazing thing ever. You know, the Bible tells us we're the apple of God's eye. Like, God is desperate to speak to us, to work through our lives, to move in our lives. God's promises are true. And his, Bible, and, and his word in the Bible is full of his promises. He cannot lie. It says that God cannot lie. So we know his promises are true. And I just wonder sometimes whether we forget that. We forget that we have God Almighty wanting to spend time with us all the time, just waiting to spend time with us. Because he loves us. And he delights in us. You know... How excited would you be, right? Think for a moment. Who is your hero? Okay? Who is the person that you would love to meet or love to spend time with? All right? Who is that person that, you know, whoever it might be? I don't know. I've got a lot. I've got a few in my head. But have a little thing. Who is that person that you would say, I'd really love to meet that person and spend time with that person? Turn to the person next to you. Tell them. Who is it? Who is it that you really would love to meet? Other than Jesus. (laughs) Other than Jesus. Somebody living here on earth now. If they phoned you up and said, you know what, come round for a cuppa, who would that be? Okay, now think about that person, all right? This afternoon you get home, they phoned you up and they want to see you. And they're inviting you round for dinner. How excited would you be? Yeah? Very excited. You know, if David Attenborough phoned me up and said, Nicole, I want, to, I, want to, I want to meet with you, I'd be like, fantastic, David Attenborough. Like, could you get any better? No, you can't, can you really? I'd be so excited about that. And actually, you know what? It's kind of like that with God, because God really, really, really wants to meet with us and desires to be us. Be with us. And how much better is God than David Attenborough? Sorry, David. (laughs) But, you know, we would be so excited to be in the presence of someone that we really look up to and admire. And we'd be so excited about that, that we could talk with that person. And all the time, every day, we have access into the presence of God. And he wants to spend time with us. He wants us to be with him. We can be fully assured that we are children of God. And all of that that I've just been saying about God desiring to be with us and God desiring to speak with us and God wanting us to be in his presence and with him, that's because we have been given the right to be called children of God. Let's just take a look at these passages in 1 John. It says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. See what kind of love the Father has given us. The love that the Father gives us means that we can be called his children. That's amazing. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we put our trust and our faith and belief in Jesus Christ, we become his children. We get the right to become children. Becoming a child does require that faith in Jesus. We're not just born children of God, but we have the right to become that when we receive him. So to fully know that God desires to be with us, to speak with us, to have intimacy with us. We've got to grasp what I was saying last week, really, about being welcomed in to the presence of God the Father because of Jesus. It's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with what we do. It's nothing to do with our good works. It's nothing that we can do. But just by putting our trust and our faith in Jesus, we have been given the right to become children of God. We weren't born with that right. We were given it because of our trust and faith in Jesus. We have absolutely no right to be called children of God. No right in ourselves. We have absolutely no right to enter into the presence of God. No right to be able to to call God our own. We don't have that right in ourselves because of anything that we do or anything that we are or any good work that we do. That right has been imparted to us. It's been given to us by the grace of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. That we are clothed in robes of righteousness and given that and now we have the right to be called his children. Now that is amazing. No longer do we have to wait for the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies like we were saying last week. No longer does the high priest have to go in on in behalf and we're all standing out here wondering whether the high priest is going to come out alive, so much so that he's got a rope tied to his ankle with bells in case he does drop down dead in the presence of God and we have to pull him out. We don't have to do that anymore because as soon as Jesus went to the cross, that veil was torn in two and that gave us the, the right to get into the presence of God and we have that all the time, freely, to be able to enter in to God's wonderful presence. Why? Because of Jesus, we've been given the right to become children. Now that is exciting. Okay, that is exciting, that we have access into God's presence and God, Jesus, lives and dwells within us. Now I think most of us know that and most of us probably believe it. But do we live according to that every day of our lives? Do we understand that when we wake up in the morning, God is just, like, waiting for us, wants to talk to us, wants to share with us, wants us to be in his presence? And we can, because we have a right to, because God has made a way. I think perhaps sometimes we don't have the intimacy with God because... Well, there's all sorts of different reasons, but I think maybe sometimes we just forget the kind of God that we serve. I mean, that really should get us leaping into the prayer place. That should get us leaping into the presence of God. If that doesn't excite us, that God loves us and wants us to be with him, then I'm not sure what will. But I do understand, because I'm pretty rubbish most of the time, that other things can get in the way. And that even though we know that and we, we understand it, that other things can creep in to stop us entering the presence of God and entering into prayer. So I want to touch on just quickly on two things, two misconceptions that we might have about prayer that might stop us from moving into that place. 
The first misconception might be this, that prayer is for the mighty, for the people who know how to do it. I don't know about you, and this might sound awful, but I think you know me well enough now. Sometimes when we start talking about the giants of the faith, like people that are really great and like really good intercessors, they're supposed to inspire us, aren't they? To like be better. But sometimes I just get more in despair and I'm like floundering because I feel a little bit hopeless and I feel a bit inadequate and I look at other people's lives and I think to myself, oh, yeah, I can't be like that. I'm never going to make it um, like that person. And my New Year's resolution to get up an hour earlier to pray and to read my Bible, you know, has stopped by January the 2nd. And it's, you know, we're in despair. I love this um, quote by Jeff Lucas as I was reading his books at the moment. And, you know, I don't know whether you ever get like this as well, that your every day with Jesus becomes like an every other day with Jesus. And sometimes in the seasons of life, it's almost like once in a while with Jesus. And because that kind of does happen, doesn't it? We shouldn't get intimidated by other people or compare ourselves to other people or feel like, you know, that we can't get into the prayer place, that God's not going to want us there, like we're not good enough. Because God wants to communicate with each and every one of us. It doesn't matter who we are, what we've done or where we've been. It's anyone, it's anyhow, it's any time. There's no set formula that God desires to speak with us. He's not worried about how eloquent we are. He's not worried about what state we're in. He's not worried that our ten minutes isn't an hour. You know, he's not worried. And sometimes I think we can do ourselves, um, we don't do ourselves any favours because we sometimes set ourselves ridiculous targets when it comes to our devotional life. Well, well I do anyway. You know, it's like when I'm sat with, I was sat with students at school I'd be sat with a student at school who like, wasn't doing their homework and wasn't doing their independent study and wasn't doing any revision and they would sit with me and they'd be like, they really wanted to, they really wanted to be better. They really wanted to try hard and work hard at school. So they would, they would come and speak to me about it and we'd go, right, well let's set, let's set some targets, because all teachers love a target. Let's set some targets and let's set a plan of action. And they'd be like, yes, let's do it. I'm gonna, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to study for five hours. And I'm like, mm, you've gone from nothing... <laughs> doing nothing for five hours. I don't think that's going to work. It's a bit of a big jump there for you to make. You can't go from that to you just set smaller little targets. And I think it's the same with our prayer life. It's the same with getting into the presence of God. You know, if we're not doing anything, then five minutes is probably a good target, isn't it? If we're doing five minutes, then maybe ten minutes is a good target. And not putting massive targets out there. Because prayer is like a a muscle, it needs flexing. It is a discipline, it's called one of the disciplines. So, you know, we are going to struggle with it at times. And um, I don't know when anybody likes this guy, Jean-Claude Van Damme, but I mean, if you look at his muscles, okay, he didn't get like that overnight, all right? It took a lot of training for him to get, I'm leading you all down the wrong road, aren't I, with that picture up there, with a bit of Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know what, I was a bit worried this week because... As I was preparing this, I did tap into Google, muscly men, and I thought to myself, crumbs, if somebody tracks my history and the vicar's putting muscly men into Google, um, it might be a bit much. So, um, yeah, I was a little bit worried. I don't do that anymore. But, um, you know what? 
that guy, he didn't get like that overnight. He had to train, and it's the same with our prayer life. It's the same with getting into the presence of God. It does take time. It's a discipline, and it's about training ourselves to do it. And we are people of the flesh. So the flesh is always there, always distracting us. And Jesus hasn't returned yet, okay? So we're still going to struggle because we're not in the perfect world. So it's going to be difficult at times. But I love this verse in Romans, which says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You know, God knows that sometimes we just don't know what to say. We don't have the words to say. But that's okay. Don't let, you know, the comparison of others, don't let you, your, what you think about yourself stop you from entering into the presence of God. God has given each and every one of us the right to be called his child because we put our faith and trust in him. And even with your faults, even with your failings, even with our inadequacies, even with our failed good intentions, with all that stuff, we're welcomed into the presence of the Almighty. And I think sometimes those things can put a barrier because we just feel like, oh, maybe we're not good enough. You know, it's like the prodigal son story that I was speaking last, last week. You know, the father stood there just waiting to see the son return. The son who's messed up, who's gone off, who's done everything he shouldn't do, turned his back on the father, spent all the inheritance, failed in every way, but the father just waits and sees the son come and runs to meet the son and greets him back. Why? Because that son is, is, has the right to be called that father's child through birth. There is a right there. Now we have that too because it's been placed on us because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so it doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done or who we are at all, God is longing for us to be in his presence. He wants us there. There's one more misconception, which I think might sometimes hinder us, and it's this. Prayer is all about asking and seeing answers. Prayer is about asking for stuff. Absolutely, clearly, the Bible talks all the time about bringing your requests to God. And it's great when we see answers to prayer, and it's amazing when we do. But that is secondary to what prayer is. Because prayer essentially is our communion with God. It's essentially just being with God in his presence. And I think prayer is far more than just asking. Yes, it's about thanking, isn't it? Yes, it's about worshipping. Yes, it's about spending time in God's presence. But it's about listening as well and stilling ourselves in the presence of God to hear from him. And I know hearing the voice of God can be tricky, yeah? You know, sometimes you don't know whether it's God, whether it's you, whether it's the enemy, whether it's the copious amount of cheese I had the night before. You know, what's going on in my head? It's hard. But you know what? The more we do, the more we expose ourselves to the presence of God, the more we get into that place, the more we can hear and learn and decipher what the voice of God is and, and how God is speaking to us. One of my favourite philosophers is a guy called Soren Kierkegaard. And he said this, a man prayed and at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he became more and more quiet until the end he realised that prayer is listening. You know, it's, it's important to recognise that when we come into the presence of God, it's not always just about having the words to say, but it's just about stilling ourselves in his presence and hearing from him. 
it's so exciting when you hear from God and you act upon that um, and you might say something to someone uh, or encourage them in some way and you, and you think, you know, um, you say, because I just felt that God was prompting me to do that. And they were, they're like, yeah, that's what I needed. And, stuff. and it's so exciting and encouraging. That's so, you get such a buzz from that. And we can learn to do that as we enter into the presence of God to decipher his voice and how he's speaking to us so that we can then go and speak to others. But I think it's important as well to know that prayer isn't always about asking and seeing answers because I think if we go with that mindset all the time, that's when we become despondent and disheartened at times because we pray and we don't see answers and we don't see what we're praying for. And I think it's important to recognise this, that God is good all of the time. All of the time, God is good. And there's a misconception sometimes, maybe, that if we're praying for something and we don't see an answer, that we're doing something wrong and that our faith isn't good enough. And church sometimes doesn't help that because we're very good at church, in church in sort of getting people to say they've been praying for this and they've had an answer and how great God is. And that's brilliant. We need to keep doing that. We really do. That's really, really important. We need to be inspired. But we also need to balance it to know that there are situations and people are going through situations where they say, you know what, I prayed for this and it never happened or I'm praying for it and it's still not happening and I haven't seen the answer that I wanted. But to be reassured in those moments that God is still good and it's not because we're not good enough. God is still good and even when we don't have the answers and even when we're walking through the valley and even when the mountains are before us, that God is still there. And I wonder sometimes whether we feel a bit of a failure and it stops us from going to the prayer place. And I want to tell you and encourage you today, do not be comparing yourself to anybody else or the person next to you. We only have to look at Jesus' life to see that Jesus lived a life of pain and suffering and unanswered prayer. He said, you know, Father God, take this cup from me. Was it taken? No, it wasn't. And if Jesus lived that life and that example for us, then we too are going to have those same experiences. It doesn't mean God's not bothered with us. It doesn't mean God's not there. It doesn't mean he's not interested and he's not listening to us, but he's listening to our neighbour. It doesn't mean that. God is there even in the unanswered prayer. God is near. He's not watching from a distance. He's not scarcely hearing our cries and shouts. On the contrary, right where we are right now, God is hemming you in and surrounding you with his love. And my prayer is that we don't let those answerless days stop us from going to him. That we don't let that stop us from entering into the presence of God. Because we need to be reminded that God knows us inside out. He knows everything about us. He knows our dark days. He shares in our suffering. At the heart of our faith is the cross. And that's what I love about our faith. That at the heart of our faith is the cross. A God who suffered for us and suffers with us and doesn't abandon us and doesn't leave us, however deep our pain and our darkness might be, we're never deserted. God's not the author of that pain, but he's there with us when we face it. And sometimes I think too that we just need to be reminded of this quote, and it's a quote from Richard Foster, a great theologian. It's, he says this, it's a pitfall to view the disciplines, and prayer is one of those, as virtuous in themselves. In and of themselves, the disciplines have no virtue. They possess no righteousness. It was this important truth that the Pharisees failed to see. The disciplines, 
place us before God. They do not give us brownie points with God. I'm not here today to encourage us to be devoted to prayer because it's going to give us brownie points, because it's going to make God love us anymore, it's going to get us to heaven. No, we are already secure. doesn't matter. We already, by the grace of God, have been saved. But what prayer does is it places us before God. It enriches our lives. It enriches our relationship with him to be able to hear from him, to be inspired by him. Jeff Lucas says this, Light shines in the midst of darkness. The gold of heaven's king nestles in the dirt of a messed up, bloody world. The future is bright, yet we live in the meantime. So in the meantime, keep breathing your prayers. Shout the urgent ones. Whisper your worship. Keep pressing in. And remember, prayer is for the fallen ones, like me, like you. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. And I want to ask that question simply today. Where are we with God? Where is our intimacy with God? Because do we fully know and appreciate that God desires to speak to every one of us? That we have been given the right to be called his children. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. We are allowed to enter the very presence of God because of Jesus' sacrifice. And we've got to live in that truth. It doesn't matter that you're not the world's mightiest prayer. It doesn't matter that you struggle, that you fail at times, that you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do. It really doesn't matter. God is not there giving out brownie points and whatever. And it's okay that we don't see answers all the time. That's okay. It doesn't mean God's not there. He's not abandoned us. The early church knew what it was to be devoted to prayer. They knew what it was to need to seek the face of God. And I want us to think about this and look back on the last four weeks of what we've been looking at in Acts. And I would like to invite the worship group if they could come back and just pray for us. But we've been looking at four things. We've been looking at the word of God. We've been looking at the fellowship, the breaking of bread. And today we've just been looking at prayer. And I think the early church are a great picture, a great inspiration for us as a church of where we should be with our devotion to God and what that should look like for us. Not that we have to be exactly like the early church, but those four things are still important for us today. And I want us to think about those four things. And I want us to think about individually where are we with these four things. You know, are we allowing our lives to be shaped by the Word of God? Are we in the Bible? Are we reading it? Not just coming on a Sunday to hear it being read to us, but are we putting ourselves in the Word of God, in Scripture, to allow it to shape our lives and change our character? Do we know it? Are we living it? Are we breathing it? Is it part of who we are? Or do we need today to think, actually, you know what? I need to be a little bit more devoted to God's word. I need to know it a little bit more. I need to let it shape my life a little bit more. Where are we with the fellowship? Are we playing our part in the fellowship? You know, we are called to community. We're not called to join community. We're called to community. We are called to be together as a fellowship of believers. That's what we're called to. You know, I was talking about that idea of the image of God. We're made in God's image, and God's image is 
the Trinity, community. Where are we with that? Are we living our lives for one another? You know, the early church were living for each other, and that was difficult at times. It wasn't easy for them either. It did disrupt their lives, and it will disrupt our lives as well, and we won't always feel like it. But how committed to each other are we? You know, the early church weren't spectators. They weren't sitting on the outside looking in. They were part of it. Because if we just look in and we are spectators, nothing's ever going to be good enough. It's not till we're in there, into the fellowship, that we will truly know what it is to be devoted to our, to our family. Are we people who live with the brokenness of the bread carved in our hearts? Do we know we're free? Do we know we're forgiven? Do we know that we have the mercy of God over our lives? Are we devoted to the breaking of the bread? Have we left our shame and guilt at the cross? Have we left ourselves at the cross? Have we relinquished ourselves there at the cross and given up ourselves, surrendered our lives to be recommissioned to go out and share the gospel message that we have? Are we praying? Are we in communion with God? Are we, are we seeking God and going into his presence? I think the early church had it right. They knew what it was to be devoted. And I look at my own life and I know that all those four areas I could do with being a little bit more devoted to. But there might be one thing in there that just stands out for you. And this morning I want to encourage us as we end this little series to say, Lord, you know what? Yeah, I want to be more devoted in this. I want to be more devoted in that. Whatever it might be. It might be all of them. But we need to think about what that looks like and how we're going to do that. Because we could say and stand up and go, yes, God, I want to be more devoted and walk out. And I think as we sing, I want us to think about what's that going to look like? If I'm going to be devoted more in prayer and seeking God's faith, how am I going to do that? What, 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 is the, what a practical thing am I going to do? Am I going to go, right, you know what? Actually, the next time I hear that we have a corporate prayer meeting in church, I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. Or if we want to be more devoted to the Word, um, you know, what am I going to do to do that? Oh, I, you know what? I'm going to find something that will help me in my devotional life. I'm going to get something. I'm going to ask someone to help me with this. I don't know, whatever it is. But I think we need to think, right, how are we going to do that? Well, that's, what's that going to look like in our lives? And let's set ourselves easy targets, okay? Let's not think that tomorrow we're going to get up and we're going to, you know, pray for an hour, read our Bible for half an hour, phone someone up and tell them how much we love them, and, you know, whatever, okay? Let's set ourselves some easy targets. And just think, God, you know, I want to be more devoted to you. God, show me what can I do. How can I do it? Let your spirit move in my life to help me with this. I invite you to stand. And you know what? Where you are right now, you might, you might just in your quiet space, your own time, your own heart, individually, you might want to go, God, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to devote myself to this. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Healing Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk.